Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. I have a confession to make, and this might get me canceled. Uh, So I'm going to see who my true friends are this morning. Here's my confession. I really like to put pineapple on pizza. All right, I got another confession. Let's get a little bit more serious. Sometimes I use the last of the toilet paper, and I don't replace it with a new roll. Wow. How quickly they turned. (laughs) All right. I'm a Christian, but I don't like (laughs) Chick-fil-A. I'm so sorry. I love Burger King. Do you want to sit at the throne of a chick or the king of kings? (sighs) I know it's like these... These things are wrong, but they're in my heart, and I can't stop it. No matter how hard I try, there's a scripture in Romans 7 that I relate to. It says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. There are temptations I have, thoughts in my mind, emotions that I carry, and I I can't get rid of them no matter how hard I try. And and from a a biblical perspective, a question I've been asking myself for me and us as a society is, how do we escape our shame? Have you ever carried a shame or guilt? How do we escape that and move on? And this is an actual serious matter for me. I, I remember when I was growing up, In Minnesota, my parents divorced, and then I had to move across the state and uh, make new friends, new school, new teacher, and I I decided to get into a group of friends with these guys, and the way I believed I could fit in was by being one of the guys and making fun of them with great jokes and puns to pick on them and torture them and, and find things about them that they were insecure about, and I would just get a good chuckle with my jabs. And I did this to fit in. As I developed this relationship, a year later, one of the guys, a guy named Aaron, came up to me and said, hey, Pradeepan, I just want to let you know, uh, because of the words you've said to me over and over and over in front of our group of guys, uh, I've been struggling with thoughts of wanting to end my life. And uh, I, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. This is right about the time where I was moving on. I graduated from high school. I went to a Bible school. And a year into Bible school, I get a, a message from my friend. And he said, hey, did you see the news? Our friend Aaron ended up walking into a highway to end his own life. And I remember thinking, uh, why wasn't I nicer to this guy? Why was I so mean to him? To fit in, why did I say these jokes just to get a chuckle when it was destroying my friend's life? I should have been kinder. I should have reconciled this relationship. I should have taken his soul and his life and his mental health seriously. And to be honest, there's a great shame and a great guilt that I carried, and it was the spirit of condemnation. These words that, Pradeep, and you have to take responsibility for what he experienced. And the worst part about it, 
Maybe not even the worst part, but in addition to it, is I couldn't even ask him for forgiveness because he was no longer living here on this earth. You know, guilt says, I have done something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. And I began to think there's something seriously sick and twisted inside of me. There's something extremely wrong with me. What's going on? You know, Romans 12 says this, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching we have given you. Now you are free from slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led to ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living, so then you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you are free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? And I relate to this. You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, my, my sin, sin and wrongdoings literally led to someone's death. And we've all done things that, that we've regretted, things that we've tried to, to move on from. But does this define us forever, our mistakes, our shame? Do they define us forever, or is it possible to move on? Is it even right for us to move on, or is that another injustice because the people are still victims? You know, in our, in our society, we're taught that we can do whatever we want, that there's no such thing as right or wrong. There's no such thing as sin. And there's no such thing as real shame. But the reality of our experiences is we've all done things that we regret. We've hurt people and we carry something inside of our lives. You know, I heard this quote by Francis George. He's a leader in the Catholic Church. He writes, our society permits everything but forgives nothing. Isn't that the truth? Our society permits everything but forgives nothing. Follow your heart. Follow your truth, but if I don't like what your truth and your heart say, I'm going to cancel you. Follow your heart. Follow your truth. I can't believe you voted Republican. You can't be my friend anymore. Follow your heart. Follow your truth. I can't believe you're a Democrat. We can't be friends anymore. Follow your truth. Follow your heart until you do something that gets you canceled in the broader society. And then there's no path for forgiveness and escape from our shame and guilt. Have you ever noticed that? It's easy to cancel people, but as a society, how do we uncancel people? Follow your heart. Follow your truth. What? You don't like the office? We can't be friends. We love that people are living their own truths until we don't like what their truth says about us and about society. Isn't that the truth? And then we label people when we don't like them. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have social media. Now when young people are doing things, that digital trail follows them forever. 
and ever. And it's like, how do we escape our past? It haunts us. And the, the sins, the mistakes that we regret, they also label us. Finish this sentence if you know it as an example. Once a cheater, always a cheater. But that's not what the gospel says. That's not what the gospel says at all. It means your label, your mistakes don't define you. And there's a hope and a path out for all of us in a society that says everything is permitted, but nothing is forgiven. And so here's why I, I'm so thankful to be a follower of Jesus Christ. As someone who has made mistakes that I've greatly regretted, as someone who's hurt many people around me, I'm so thankful I have a way out from my guilt and shame. And I want to explain that a little bit more. There's a person, a leader in the scriptures. He's known as Paul the Apostle. And he was known for killing Christians because he believed that they were the wrong religion and they were blaspheming. They were being insulting to the name of God as a Jewish leader. And he killed people, but he writes in 1 Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength because he considered me faithful. So he appointed me to ministry, even though I used to speak against him, attack his people, and I was proud. But I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and without faith. Our Lord's favor poured all over me along with the faithfulness and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is reliable and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I'm the biggest sinner of all. Anybody relate to that? But this is why I was shown mercy, so that Christ Jesus could now could show his endless patience to me, first of all. So I'm an example for those who are going to believe in him for eternal life. So Paul said his transformation from murderer to minister by Jesus serves as an example for all of us who will believe in Jesus Christ. And so what I'm learning here in this scripture is, number one, Jesus came into the world to save sinners like you and me. You see, God created us, and the first thing the scripture says he thought about humanity is that we were good. Not only that, we were very good. That God wanted a relationship with us. But in the garden, the first humans decided to rebel against God and disobey him by eating from a tree, a forbidden fruit. And this rebellion from God created a distance and a separation where we thought, God, we can do things better our own way, but we can't. And so death was introduced into this world. And there was a sickness that spread through every single one of us. And we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. But the sin isn't just an individual matter. It's corrupted and polluted our world. Many of us in this room, we feel like, I'm not that bad. I'm not a sinner. But I think we can all agree that there are systems of evil and injustice in this world. There is wrong. There is pain. You know, sex trafficking is something that most of us stand against. But did you realize a large part of sex trafficking is funded by pornography? So every time you watch pornography, you are, in some ways, contributing and funding sex trafficking. Many of us have contributed and benefited from cheap products that we buy. But there are times where some of the products that we have are developed through blood and through child labor. And so as a society, sin has helped us live our lifestyles. And yes, we've lied. 
Yes, we've hurt people. Yes, we've made mistakes. But as a society, we've benefited from systemic injustice. And if you don't believe in systemic injustice, you don't believe that Adam created a world that was thrown into death and despair. But that is what the scripture says. If you don't believe that there is evil in the world, take a moment and just spend some time in a YouTube comment section. That will quickly help you to believe there's evil in the world. Can I get a good amen? So there is evil, but why did Jesus come into this world? Well, here's the good news of the gospel. Matthew 20, 28 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Because Jesus came into the world to save sinners like you and me. And I feel like many of us have been taught this gospel that starts off with how evil humanity is. But when we look at Genesis 1, it starts off with the goodness of humanity, but we've allowed death to corrupt us. But God has always loved us. God has never been uh, afraid to have a relationship with you. And this is something I want to really communicate today, and I want to read it like this. I wrote this. Many of us have been taught that a perfect God can't be around imperfect people. But our Lord Jesus came into the world to be with imperfect people. John 3.16 doesn't say, for God so hated the world. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. When Jesus touched those with sickness, it wasn't sickness that spread, but health. It was love that kept Jesus nailed to the cross. Jesus would rather die than live without you. Amen? Colossians 2 says this, You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And so here is the gospel in a nutshell. Instead of canceling us, Jesus canceled the record of the charges against us by nailing it to the cross. This is good news for those of us who are living in guilt and shame. Jesus nailed your shame to the cross. When we first started church planting in 2017, I had over $100,000 in debt because of my student loans. And I began a conversation with Naviant, who received my loans from Sally Mae, and then they sold my loans to Great Lakes. Anybody know what I'm talking about in the house of God today? And I talked to them, and I said, I know you're about to sell my student loans, but here's something you could consider. Instead of getting the 90 bucks a month from me, why don't I just pay 10%, $10,000, and you wipe the rest of the debt clean. And to my great surprise, they said, yes. And so I gave them $10,000, and they canceled $90,000 of debt. Glory to God. This is (laughs) pre-Biden. And so greater, though, honestly, and I mean this, greater than Jesus, or sorry, not Jesus, Greater than Sally Mae, come on somebody, is Jesus who canceled our debt, he canceled our guilt, 
He canceled our shame. And this is why Christians are obsessed with the cross. Have you ever wondered why did Christians wear necklaces as a, or crosses as necklaces? Why do we celebrate about the beauty of the cross? Because the cross was a tool of capital punishment. The cross was a weapon of torture and death. It is not jewelry. But why do Christians celebrate this? Could you imagine if I showed up to church with a gold piece that was a necklace that was in the design of an electric chair? Or if I was wearing some like beautiful aesthetic jewelry that looked like a lethal injection, that pretty it would be morbid and insulting to the victims. Yet we wear crosses because the cross is beautiful to us. It represents the love of the Father. It represents how God has canceled our debt. You know, there's this story about a little girl who approached her mom, and she said, Mom, why are you so ugly? It's a, a tough question. <laughs> and tough question. And she said, uh, well, let me tell you a story. It's time that you know something. This mom had scars all over her face. And the mom said, when you were a little girl, you were in your crib, and I was in the yard. And a fire broke out. And it was consuming your room, your toys, your blankets. And uh, it was too late to put out the fire. But I, I, I smelled the smoke. And so I ran into your bedroom. And I, I, I knew I couldn't save the room. But I had to save my little girl. But it was so dangerous. It was so hot. And I ran in there. And I, I couldn't avoid the flames. I had to go through the flames. And the flames ended up burning my body in my face, but I rescued you, and I pulled you out of the flames, and I brought you into safety. And so she saved the child at a great cost to her own body. When the little girl heard this, she said, Mom, you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen. What changed her? It's because ugliness can become beautiful when you see it from the right perspective. And when we see the sacrifice of the cross and what it did for us, we see the beauty of Jesus. And that's our whole goal as a church, to make known the beauty of Jesus. So why did Jesus have to die? And some of us who like to kind of pull apart the mechanics, we're wondering, so why, why did this ha have to happen? Like if Jesus, you know, is all powerful, why couldn't he just say, you know what, it's cool, you're forgiven. Nobody has to die here. Like, if someone wronged me, and let's say someone said something mean to me, and they're like, oh, Pradeep, and I'm so sorry I said those mean words to you. Will you please forgive me? And I said, I will forgive you, but I have to kill my favorite dog first. You'd be like, that's a little weird. Isn't that just another injustice? And that's how we tell the story of Christianity, right? Like, God loved you, but he couldn't just forgive you, and so he killed his First son, his only son, Jesus Christ. And who's ever thought, that sounds a little weird, right? What, what, what is going on here? Why, why would I have to kill my dog to forgive you? Why can't I just say, hey, it, it's cool. And so I want to I wanna kind of analyze what is called atonement theory. For those of us who like to get a little bit more theolo theological, I'm not going to go into every theory and all the mechanics because I don't have the time. Literally, we could spend years talking about this. But I, I want to kind of help us understand what happened on the cross here. Because there are different theories. Maybe you've heard of the theory called the ransom theory. 
the penal substitution theory, the Christus Victus theory. These are all what are called atonement theories. Has anybody heard of these things? And, and for those of us who have been a little concerned about how we preach the gospel, I want to let you know there are options that seem a little bit more palatable. And so if you're on the fence about Christianity or if you're ready to dismiss all of Christianity, please look at non-heretical options that have been taught concerning the gospel. But let me read this in Romans 8. Romans 8 says, Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads us to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. And so the law of Moses is what the Jewish people follow. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He, why did he do that? Why did Jesus die as a sacrifice for our sins? He did this so that the just requirement of the law could be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. And so what does this mean? This means that, yes, Jesus can forgive, but what our sin, what our death, what our violent systems have created in the world are systems where sin is perpetual and cyclical. And so instead of just Jesus forgiving individual sins, he began the journey, a revolution of rewriting all of history. So Adam, he introduced evil into the world by taking something from a tree. Jesus, the second Adam, showing us what we can truly do as humans, what our real potential is, instead of taking something from the tree in disobedience, in perfect obedience to his father, he put himself back on the tree to reverse the course of history. And so what, what, what I mean, let me explain this in a little bit more of a simple term. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, I went to a birthday party for, for Linda, our department head of small groups here at Kayla's Church, who's running all of our Alpha. How many of you guys are in our Alpha groups? And they're kicking butt. It's amazing. So I went to her birthday party, and there's this great meal. It's at this nice steakhouse, and uh, I ate a great, like, ribeye. I was having the time of my life. And, uh, and then, I, then I left the party, and it was awesome. And uh, the thing is, I didn't pay for my food. <laughs> I, I dined and dashed. Free food tastes great. <laughs> can I get a witness? Nothing tastes better than free food. Come on. Can we just have a praise break? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and so uh, imagine, though, I'm in the restaurant, and uh, uh, let's say I'm, I'm still in the room, and the, the server says, hey, uh, uh, here, here's your bill. And I say, Linda, I, I'm so sorry. I forgot my wallet. I can't pay for this food. Imagine she says, you know what, Pradeepin, I'm absent-minded sometimes too. I forgive you. You're cool. So I'm forgiven, right? This is awesome. But then the server says, okay, Linda, you're obviously a great person. He's forgiven, but who's going to pay the bill? And so Linda says, Pradeepin, not only do I forgive you, I will cover you. And so forgiveness does not abdicate the responsibility for someone to pay the cost. And so the wages of sin are death. Sin has caused lots of destruction in this world. There's lots of evil in this world. And the fact is we commit wrong and we have sin, but the, the more dangerous thing is, yes, we have sin, but the more dangerous thing is sin has us. 
And yes, I'm forgiven, but I'm prone to do the things that I know I don't want to do. I continue following a path that's been laid out for me since the beginning of humanity, since the beginning in the garden when we rebelled against God. So not only does Jesus forgive us, he pays the debt that has been racked up for all of humanity so that we're not caught perpetually in this cycle. He forgives, but he also covers us. And that's why we are clothed with Jesus Christ. And so Jesus entered into humanity. Perfect God became a perfect human. And he showed us that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. So on the cross, we send our sins into Jesus and he forgave us. On the cross, Jesus became the sacrifice to end sacrifice. On the cross, Jesus took the blame to save us from blaming. At the cross, Jesus gives the world a new organizing principle, love. At the cross, we discover a God who shapes the world, not by coercion, but by love. In his crucifixion, Jesus achieves solidarity with all who suffer. At the cross, Jesus reveals a God who would rather die than kill his enemies. The cross is the coronation of the world's rightful king. I love that quote by Pastor Brian Zahn. And Galatians 6 says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. And so Jesus redeemed us from these systems and these violent temptations and these things that we carry in our house, in our hearts, in our lives, in our families. And so there's another theological term of what happened on the cross, and it's called atonement. And so what does atonement mean? It's this. God doesn't just want to forgive you. He wants to be one with you. Here's something corny. You can't spell atonement without at one. At one. So God wants to be at one with you. So Jesus, yes, he canceled our debt by dying, but he also absorbed our sin nature with him so that we could be in right relationship with him for the long term so that we don't consistently rebel against him and distance ourselves from him like we have for all of humanity. He's reversed the course of history. So let me illustrate this again. Let me give you another look into my marriage with Amritha. (laughs) Amritha was saying as I was preparing for this sermon, People are going to think, we're just like really jacked up people. Well, only one of us is. <laughs> so we're in this therapy session last week, and it was a continuation from a session two weeks ago. And our, our counselor, she said, I want you guys, as you're dealing with your issues and your relational dynamics, I want you to make a list of all the hurts that you have ever offended each other with. And so uh, we'll start with Amritha first. And this is not over yet. It's, we're in week three now of this list, which is true. Don't shake your head. That is absolutely true. Don't add this to the list. <laughs> I got her permission. I got her permission. <laughs> and so uh, all through our friendship, dating, engagement, and, and marriage, and She's not just the one doing this. I'm going to have my turn, too, so don't worry. And uh, she's going through, like, hey, when we were friends, you did this, you said this. And when we were dating, you said this. And then my, my assignment is I'm supposed to just listen to her with compassion, not being defensive, and then just restate in my own words. I, I can see how that hurt you. 
I can't imagine how I impacted you. I see now that this is what I did to you when I did this. And I, I feel great remorse over this. And then I ask, vulnerably, will you forgive me? And so far, she has said, yes, I, I will forgive you. And I, it's great that I have forgiveness. But when I have the forgiveness, I don't just walk away from the relationship. Hey, we're good. Because forgiveness isn't freedom from Amritha. Forgiveness is the opportunity to be connected with Amritha. It's the same with the cross. Like, Jesus doesn't just want us to be forgiven and then we go our own way. He's forgiving us so that we can be atoned at one with him. And so uh, in our, our marriage, uh, I, I'm, I'm receiving forgiveness, but this is opening the door for me to connect with Amritha on a deeper level. Because yes, there are things that I've done to hurt her, so many, and I apologize for that. And I'm remorseful, but I'm also learning something that I'm doing things wrong to her because I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. And there's baggage I carry. There are patterns that I've learned. There are tendencies that I've had that I I got from my parents and they got it from their parents. And there's these generational patterns of hurt and sin. And yes, I need forgiveness, but I need freedom so that I don't continue to do this over and over and over again. I'm the only one in my family who hasn't gotten into divorce yet in every generation of my family that I'm aware of. So I don't want Amritha to just forgive me. I want us to work to dismantle the systems of divorce in our family. I want us to work together to dismantle the systems of bitterness and resentment and pride and cutting off each other and separating from each other. I don't just want forgiveness. I want freedom. And so Jesus, he didn't just say, oh, you forgot to pay the bill. I forgive you. He said, no, you're covered. And so I'm going to dismantle the systems that have made you prideful and angry and a murderer and a a person who has the sexual appetite that just can't be contained. I'm going to dismantle the systems of alcoholism and drug addiction. I'm not just forgiving you. I'm rewriting your story so that we can be one with each other. And this is the beauty of the gospel. And for those of us who live in a society, they say everything is permitted, but nothing is forgiven. That is not Christianity. And for those of us who have been carrying an endless amount of shame and guilt, can I just say, by the blood of the cross, you're covered, you're free, And who the Spirit of God sets free is free indeed. You are free. There is no condemnation anymore. Jesus took your sins. Yes, someone had to pay for all the wrongs of the world. But Jesus said, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. You don't have to carry systemic guilt forever. I know culture likes to put that on many of us. You don't have to carry the wrongs and the painful things you've said. And I'm so thankful for this message. Otherwise, I would have carried the bondage of what I did to my friend forever. My words led to him questioning the matter of his life. My words led to him wanting to take his own life. And I I regret that so much. And I I just say, Jesus, I, I don't know how to get out of this. I can't save myself. I can't save myself. I can't save myself. But I just feel the Spirit of God saying to me and to all of us, well, that's why I came as your Savior. 
because you needed saving. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the message of the cross. Thank you for setting us free, forgiving us, but also dismantling the, the patterns of violence and evil and wrong and manipulation that we carry in our bones and our blood and our generational patterns and our families. Thank you that you forgive us, but you're also rewriting our story and you're redeeming us. You purchased us by the blood of the lamb. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, we thank you for the cross, Lord. And I pray for anybody here who's just dealing with so much guilt and shame. Would you set them free? Even right now, in the name of Jesus, be free. All of us here who are carrying a heavy burden, all of us here who are carrying something that Jesus already nailed to the cross, can I just say this right now? Your past does not define you. Jesus does. Your past does not define you. Jesus does. Please receive the gospel today. There is no good news without the bad news. But your past does not define you. Jesus does. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.